made it all the way through to the last interview. And uh, so I don't think Sarah even knows that yet. She's down watching a Bruin game with her friends, but uh, I pick her up this afternoon, so I'll, I'll let her know. I think that's so cool. Come back some turnarounds. God knows where he wants to put his people. And uh, we heard some news this morning that Papa Joe has passed, and so our hearts are... It's hard to lose the people we love. It's hard to peop lose the people that we know. But we know that he knew Jesus Christ, right? And we know that uh, he's now rejoicing in heaven, like uh, Don Piper said. Uh, it's far better place in heaven. He didn't remember his words that he spoke. He, it was so wonderful in that place, he didn't want to come back. Well, I can only imagine Papa Joe is asking all the questions to the saints that have gone before him, Moses and Ezekiel and Daniel and all those places. And I'm sure that there are stories going on in heaven right now and the mysteries are being revealed. So we'll see him again, but our hearts do uh, join with you uh, as the family goes through this and, and finds a way to uh, release him to the Lord and move on and uh, remember the life that he lived and the last days joyous. I remember he was out at my house uh, maybe a year, maybe a year and a half ago, and he was uh, just by the porch by the stairs and listening to everything that was going on and very interactive and uh, very curious and uh, full of life and, and just loving the day. And so uh, we, it's with kind of heavy heart this morning that we've lost one of our loved ones, but, um, the Lord knows, amen. And uh, I can only imagine how close he is uh, that we'll be one day. Amen? amen. Hallelujah. I, uh, I um, have been thinking an awful lot about tabernacles and uh, the word that have come. Uh, for me, there's been a theme uh, for the last several weeks uh, months, uh, even since, uh, you know, October. Um, and the theme for me has been Jacob's Ladder and the windows of heaven opening up. And I remember that um, the first night of Tabernacles when Roy was here and he started off the night, he said that uh, he read the scripture about Jacob's Ladder and the windows of heaven and opening up. And I remember uh, him declaring on that first few moments of that first night, uh, declaring the atmosphere must change. And he declared, and you could feel the weight of God coming in to uh, support and to declare and to uh, bring that word even to our midst. Um, I'm remembered uh, so many times in the word as I read the word, uh, you know, different time, different place, through different people. And I was thinking about Moses, and I was thinking about how he was struggling with being a leader and struggling and wondering, you know, how to, how to bring a people out of bondage and out of a place that he didn't know how to do. And things were changing for him. And if you remember in the beginning, he didn't even want to be God's chosen leader. He didn't really see himself as a deliverer. He didn't really see himself as one that God was going to do something through that was 
going to be told for generations and generations. He saw himself as a normal, very average person that had some experiences in life and probably had failed at some of the things that he really wanted to accomplish in his own heart. And after he uh, begins to obey the Lord and, and head back to Egypt and he's delivering the people, that we know the story, they came out of Egypt and some weeks went by and they found themselves out in the desert. And as the story goes, the desert was dry and it wasn't, uh, you know, wasn't any water there. And the people began to complain against Moses and say, you know, why have you brought us out to this place uh, to kill us? And so there's conflict in the camp. There's conflict amongst the people. And even after the tremendous deliverance that they've seen, they're still wavering a little bit. And they're still wondering what is to become of us. And so we pick the chapter, uh, we pick the story up in Exodus uh, chapter 17, verse 5. And the Lord said to Moses, go on before the people and take with you some of the elders of Israel. Also take in your hand your rod, which you struck the river, and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock in Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and the water will come out of it, and the people may drink. And so we see that the Lord is still trying uh, to reach the hearts of the people. He's still trying to show them that uh, God is still with them, and he commands Moses to go out uh, up to the rock. I can only imagine what it might have been like as Kathy and Lonnie are in the region even now. They'll probably have stories about what these things actually looked like, right, as they're coming into the promised land and uh, the different caves and the tombs and so on. But I can imagine that Moses stood before a, a huge rock. It must have been like as big as this church. I don't know. It's just what I envision it like. Now, how many of you have ever seen water come out of a rock, right? The Lord does things in ways that are impossible to you and I. But Moses had an object of the authority of God, the staff. And that staff he had carried with him, and he struck the waters of the sea. He struck the waters, and the waters parted, right? And God, uh, God is, or, or Moses is crying out to God, do something, do something. And all the while, God was wanting Moses to do something. And so in this case, he says, Moses, go out to the rock, and I will be standing above the rock. Now, the interesting thing is, it's not recorded that anybody else saw God. And uh, he took the elders with him, and he's out, and he's... He's trying to uh, provide for the people. And so as God commanded him, he takes the staff and he strikes the rock. And we have the hindsight of knowing how the story goes. But at that time, they didn't know. They had to walk in faith. They had to walk in, God told me to do this, and so I'm going to be obedient to do it. Even though I have never in my life seen water come out of a dry and arid place, nevertheless a rock. And so they had, to, they had to walk by faith. They had to walk in obedience. And so he goes, Moses strikes the rock, and water comes out, enough to feed the tens of thousands of people. And so it couldn't have been just a little garden hose. It couldn't have been just a little trickle. It had to be 
the wellsprings that God had spoken to be released to the people. And then uh, we move on a little bit to Numbers chapter 20, and we have a similar story taking place. And the people, are again, are complaining. They had already moved on from the place where they were at with the first rock. Uh, they came to a new place. They were complaining. Uh, they were wondering, uh, complaining against Moses again. Are you, uh, are we going to die out here? And on and on and on. And Moses, again, he cries out to the Lord in, in Numbers chapter 20, verse 7 through 12. And then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take the rod, you and your brother Aaron. Gather the congregation together. Speak to the rock before their eyes and it will yield its water. Thus you shall bring water for them out of the rock and give drink to the congregation and their animals. So Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he had commanded him. Verse 10, And Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock and said to them, Hear now, you rebels. Right? They were complaining against the Lord. Hear now, you rebels. Therefore, you shall not bring this assembly... Oh, no, uh, verse 10. Uh, and Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock and said to them, Here now, you rebels, must we bring water for you out of this rock? Then Moses lifted his hand and struck the rock twice with his rod, and the water came out abundantly, and the congregation and their animals drank. So, without reading any more, or without considering the future passages... Moses was very successful. Again, he had brought forth water from a rock, right? He had, uh, he had done what God asked him to do, with, is gather the people together, take Aaron and the elders, and go and uh, go to this rock. But this time, God said, you're to speak to the rock instead of strike the rock. For this, there was a new normal in the life of, of Moses. And instead of relying on what had worked in the past, what had been very uh, productive in the past, he uh, didn't speak to the rock. He relied on, a, on, on an event that happened before that, and he thought he knew that this one was to be the same way. There was a new normal that, that God was asking Moses to walk in, the problem, maybe he was afraid. Why didn't he speak to the rock? When you strike a rock, there's a tool there, and at least there's a feeling like you're doing something, right? There's at least an, uh, a feeling like you're participating with something. You're, you've got this stick in your hand. It was the stick that parted the sea. It was the stick that delivered the children. It was the stick that became a serpent. It was a stick that was the, really the representation of the authority with his prophet, right? But now God's asking Moses to not use the authority, to not use the stick, but to speak to the rock. And this is a real change. And so as we see types and shadows in the Old Testament into the New Testament, we know that it isn't by works. It isn't by might or unction. It isn't by our own strategies. We're coming into a season of time where the sons of God are being revealed. And it's by releasing the word of God that God is glorified and things change in the earth. It's Jacob's ladder going, 
when Jacob came back to his home, when he was going back to uh, his uncle's place to find a wife, he said, if you'll bring me back to this place, into my father's land, I'll serve you. And on that night, he saw a vision of angels going up and down out of heaven. What were the angels doing? Why, why was the vision that the angels were going up to heaven on a ladder and ascending and descending? There's several types and shadows of, of what this speaks to us in the Bible. Uh, it even speaks to the ascension of Christ and then the returning of Christ. But on that day, Jesus uh, Jacob saw angels. There are, I've seen resources. I've seen windows of heaven opening just in the past several months and resources of heaven. There, are, there is everything we could possibly need in heaven. There's no lack. There's no, uh, there's no shortage. There's no everything we could possibly need in terms of, of healing, of, in terms of restoration, of terms of understanding what the new normal is, understanding our own calls, understanding who we are. There's finances. There's material things there. Why did Jacob see angels ascending and descending? Because they were going to the very throne room of God, getting the word. And they were coming back down upon the earth under the assignment of the Father. And they were orchestrating the things of the earth. Think about the, the, the Israelites coming out of Egypt. How many thousands of angels had to have participated in the deliverance of a nation? the wall of fire, the, the pillar of fire. Amen? Encouraging the people. But then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and said, Because you did not believe me and hallow me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I gave them. The measure of success, there was water that came out of the rock the second time. Moses had the authority with him. He had the representation of God in this staff. But the measure of success in the Lord's eyes is not the outcome of the event. It's the obedience by which we as his sons obey and uh, are led by the Spirit. The body is growing up into maturity. I'm aware that there are so many people right now, even in this congregation, who are experiencing growth, experiencing freedom, experiencing new life, experiencing hope, experiencing healings, and, and they were daring to believe again. Who are the sons of God? The sons of God are those who obey and walk in faith and might of the Lord. Amen? The body's growing up into maturity where the ways of doing things isn't any longer by works. We can be successful as Moses was successful with our natural mind because we carry the presence of God. We carry His authority. We carry His anointing. We carry His presence. And I think it, it's encouraging to us that we hear testimonies in our midst that God is moving, like comebacks and returns and, and 
for our nation to be able to watch a Super Bowl where it's never happened before. And many of the people that I work with, they were like, yeah, I went to bed at the half. Uh, there was just no way. I just didn't know. So according to that, some people are falling asleep. Some people are giving up early, but not you. You're here. You're continuing to contend and believe, continuing to believe that the prophecies of the Lord, the, the, the prophetic word over your life is going to be fulfilled. Amen? The body's growing up into maturity, not the old ways of doing things. I see a teachable heart in our midst, a teachable heart that says, I know how to do this from the past anointings or the past favor or the past decisions that I made, but is that for today? And I see hearts tenderized and hearts longing for the presence of the Lord. And so the story of Moses here is there was a new normal in the, in, the, in, in the nation that God was trying to bring them into. It was really a New Testament anointing, but revealed in its time as type in sh a shadow of the things to come. And so in 1 Corinthians, it tells us, when I was a child, 1 Corinthians 13, 11, when I was a child, I understood as a child. I thought like a child. But when I became a man, I put childish things behind me. My sense and my awareness is that there are people growing up into the Lord, maturing, whether it's through the Living Word School of Ministry or signing your name up to bring a message or signing your name up to bring an exhortation or to pray for people or to dare to believe and talk about Jesus at work or in any other place. You see, Moses was relying on something that God had revealed to him very uh, earlier in his life. And he was secure in that because God had done it. Everything that up until that time, God had done through the staff that Moses had held in his hand. It was the authority of God with him. But then the transition came where the authority of God wasn't to it wasn't to be in a stick. It wasn't to be in an object. It was to be in the heart. It was to be in the very depths of who Moses was. And so rather than strike the rock, out of him became the prophetic word to cause the rock to bring forth the water. And it was the releasing of the word that God wanted to demonstrate in that time to the nation of Israel to the nation of who was gathered to see this thing. God wanted there to be a new normal, a type and shadow of the things to come, but released early because their hearts were hungry for something fresh and new. And yes, they were complaining, but God didn't destroy them. God continued to make a way. And so some of us get into complaining modes of I myself, God, I found myself even a few days ago complaining, how long is this going to take? How long do we have to suffer? How long do we have to go through the trials before the anointing of the Son will come and the confession of the heart causes it to be? Now, I know that that's what's in heaven. I've seen the Lord standing afar off, 
dressed in his royal robes, holding the sword in his hand. And I know that there are seasons and times where the Lord begins to fight for Israel and fight for his people. And I know that there is a season of time right now where the Lord is holding back, wondering if the people are going to move forward out of an old anointing and a past thought and a, pa- and a past something that, that will work. It will work. It will have fruit. It will cause things to be different. But it won't be the best. It won't be the perfect. There are 30, 60, and 100-fold anointings. And I'm contending and believing and standing with you through prayer and fasting and petitioning of heaven. God, let the 100-fold anointing come into the north and the south and the east and the west. Let there be a release from heaven where the sons know how to ascend and to receive the heart of the Father and then come back upon this earth and release it. There's another type and shadow on the the cross of Jesus Christ. And this day, the priests could only go in beyond the veil. You and I couldn't have gone in to the Holy of Holies if we were living in that day. It was reserved. Only a certain select few that were named the high priest for that year could go in. But when Jesus died on the cross, it tells us that the wall of separation that went from the top all the way down to the bottom was rent and split in two. And that kind of declaration was so enormous that earthquakes happened and rocks split. God wanted there to be an understanding that no longer are we to rely on the high priest to go and get the word. It's Jacob's ladder told in a different way, in a different time, through a different people that said, the heavens are open. Whosoever will can come to the Father and experience him one for one. In Hebrews 1, 1 through 3, it says, God at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things. Through him also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power. Holding all things by the word of his power. All things. There is still the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers, and so on. But there isn't any longer a separation between us as sons of God to know what's on God's heart, to ascend into a spiritual place, to grab hold of something that's that's tangible, of substance, and bring it back to the earth and release it. That's the day that we're in right now. That's the day that we're in. At Tabernacles, as I told you, Roy spoke of Jacob's ladder, and he said the atmosphere must change. Well, 
we know how to change the atmosphere. We know how to accomplish things here on this earth, but for what purpose? For what purpose? What, what does the atmosphere need to change into from what it is now? Well, I submit to you that the atmosphere is full of principalities and powers. It's full of demonic influences that have maintained a position for a long time. And I submit to you that the Bible teaches that you have an adversary, and your adversary is the devil. The adversary are demonic angels who want to carry out the assignments of the one they submit to, to steal, kill, and destroy. You have an assignment against your life from somebody that wants to destroy you, that somebody that wants to see you fail in every way, who is constantly uh, speaking out threats and lies and misrepresentations, twisting and perverting. Your adversary is prowling around like a lion. And the atmosphere that Roy spoke of that must change is that the sons of God receive an anointing and an authority to deal with that, to deal with the principalities and the powers of the air. How? I saw Jesus standing in a place with a sword in his hand, but our battle is not against flesh and blood. Our battle isn't in the natural. Our battle is in the spirit. Just the same when Moses came out of the desert and God said, I will be there above the rock and I want you to speak to the rock. In other words, Moses, I want you to release my word into the earth. I want you to release the power of the word. I want to do something in the midst of Israel, in the midst of the nation, in the midst of those that are called by my name. I want to show them that out of nothing can come something because of the authority that's standing on the rock. Let me go back to Matthew 27. Then, behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth quakes and the rocks split. There's no longer any separation between us and the Father, because Jesus rent the veil, giving us direct access. So as I said earlier, the types and shadows of Moses, the types and shadows of how he lived his life, to speak to the rock. John chapter 14, verse 12, it says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, this is Jesus speaking, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these will he do, because I go to my Father. And whoever asks in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. So now Jesus is releasing what was only a type and a shadow of the Old Testament of Moses speaking to the rock. Now Jesus is releasing it. And he's saying, if you believe in me, you can ask anything according to my name, anything that's in line with my will, anything that I've revealed to your heart, revealed to your understanding, anything that I've made known to you, 
Anything that I put in your way that's contrary to this, I want you to speak to it in my name. He said, even if you should speak to this mountain, be removed. It will pick itself up and be thrown into the sea. He said, nothing's too big for me. And what I see is an anointing coming upon the people of God to believe his word, to speak his word. Wherever there's hurting, to bring healing. Wherever there is a travesty or an injustice, to bring justice. I see the people of God rising up and speaking the word as God told Moses to, and out of the rock comes rivers of living water. Except you're the rock. You're the rock. Now Jesus is the chief cornerstone, but out of your belly flow, show, flow rivers of living water. That's what he said. And if the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is living and alive in you, Jesus said greater works. Amen? At the revelation of who Jesus is, Peter figured it out. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 13, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do men say that I am? You see, it was important to Jesus that the disciples understood this new, uh, this, <coughs> excuse me, this new uh, anointing that was being released. It was important to Jesus that people understood what he was saying. Because up until that time, they suspected Jesus was going to take the kingdom by force. He, they suspected he was going to raise an army and take over the kingdoms of the world. <clears throat> and he was trying to have them think about another way. So they said, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he's listening, and they had all these examples of who men thought Jesus was of who, of how he was going to take the kingdom, of, how, of the events that were going to take place to usher in the kingdom of the Father, the God, our God. Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you but my Father who is in heaven. You see, this new anointing, this new favor, this new authority, this new power that was coming on the, on the disciples at that time, it wasn't revealed to them by flesh and blood. It couldn't have been revealed to Moses by flesh and blood how to bring water out of a rock by speaking to it. There was no man in any of the region that could dig a well or find water. There was no water. I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He's not talking about the individual man. He's talking about the church. He's talking about the community of believers that are called to believe in his name. And he said the gates of hell won't prevail against it. So back to where is the adversary? If your adversary is a spiritual adversary prowling around like a lion, wanting to destroy, look at what he's doing in the earth today. 
drugs are more rampant than any other time that I have been alive. There are wars and rumors of wars in every corner of the planet. There are earthquakes and famines. There are travesties going on. There are things going on in, in our earth today that are destroying young people, that are destroying communities. This adversary knows the time is short. Here is what you're called to do. And he said to him, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. He says he's giving us a key. He's giving us a revelation. He's giving us an understanding that Jesus is the key. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the anointed. Jesus is the word. And he's saying, whatever you ask in my name, I will do it. And so now he's asking us to participate in a war. Asking us to participate in a great army that's being assembled. Why? Until the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our God. Amen? And so we understand that now it isn't about the armies of the Old Testament and the strength of armies and military operation and bows and arrows and guns and bombs and weapons. It isn't about that anymore. Jesus is saying there is something new coming upon the earth and I'm releasing it. And if you believe in me and you're a son and you believe in my word, Anything you ask me will be done for you by the Father who is in heaven. And so we, I believe that the, the very direction of the, of the worldwide church today is becoming to know their sons, becoming to know the authority that they possess in the earth. They're becoming to know and understand by way of revelation and by way of the Spirit how to stand in a place and declare the goodness of God. Jesus sent out the 70 and he said, I give you authority to trample on serpents and to trample on scorpions. In other words, I give you authority over every single demon, over every single principality, and they are under your feet. They are already defeated. One of the things I've been impressed to pray recently is every time I come up against something that is different than what the Word of God declares, I declare, devil, you are already defeated. You are already defeated. You're already powerless because of what the blood of Jesus did all the way back at Calvary that we sang this morning at the cross. It was at the cross where the blood ran red into the Son of God, restoring to the church the authority of the church to come into the presence no longer behind a veil, no longer in a secret place, no longer in a place where you and I are told about what it's like, but we're invited into a place. And the message goes out again about prayer and fasting. And it goes into... Find the secret place. Go into the inner room. Close the door and pray to your Father, for He hears your voice. 
and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. There is an authority coming upon the, bo the body right now, the church, and I want you to be aware. I want you to know by revelation and by the impartation of the Holy Spirit where you're being invited into, where you're being invited as, as a son he said, anything you ask in my name. So what are you to bind and what are you to loose? That's where the windows of heaven are open. That's where the warehouses are. Anytime there's an injustice, anytime there's something contrary to the word of God, that is where you have the authority and the power to make it right. By declaring the word, by declaring the blood of Jesus, by declaring what's inside of you, released through the Holy Spirit, like God told Moses to do, speak to the rock. Call it as it ought to be, not as though it is, but call it into as though it ought to be. Amen? In Luke chapter 10, verse 18, he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven said, Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing by any means shall hurt you. And so as I close here in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. So the... Jesus, when I saw Jesus in, dressed in battle array and anointing, uh, uh, dressed in the anointed clothes with the sword in his hand, we, we know what military forces are like in our day, right? We have weapons of warfare that soldiers in Iraq and around the world uh, participate with. We have uh, Scud missiles and rocket launchers. We have uh, helicopters. We have uh, uh, airplanes and, and all kinds of things of weapon of war. But Jesus said in order to stand against the devil put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against principalities against powers against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. And so we see today that the sons are being called to a place of author great authority. Great places of, Jesus said, greater works than these will you do. And so I sense there's an increased awareness of the authority that God's people are being clothed with. And the only way you can exercise that authority is to believe that God is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, according to his word. Anybody that comes to God must believe that he is. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. There's nothing that you're ever going to do in this life without a separate and aside from faith that's going to ever please God. said, those who come to me must believe that I am. Come to him out of faith. 
out of the recognition that, God, you are God. And I'm coming to you by and in the Spirit to fellowship with you, to let there be an impartation, to bless you and you, me. And there is an exchange there in the relationship of heaven and the relationship of the Spirit, where God imparts by revelation the things that he wants to do on the earth. And then you, because you're growing up into sonship, because you're growing up into Christ, because you're standing, he said, when you have done all that there is to do, stand. Stand. Stand in the place where I have given you and see the salvation of the Lord. Moses said it in a type and shadow before. He said, stand and see the salvation of the Lord, and he struck the water. There's so many types and shadows of the Old Testament that point to the new in the day that we're in, the day that we're experiencing. And so the emphasis has been for the leadership of this house to come ready to release a word, ready to impart, ready to give an exhortation, ready to bring a word. Because Lonnie and Kathy know about an anointing that is ripe and ready to be experienced. And they're so passionate, wanting you to experience it. Wanting you to know within yourself that God moved through you in a supernatural and a very special way. They understand the times and the seasons that we're in. And if you've done all that you can do, and all you can do is stand, that's enough. That's enough. According to his word, that's enough. Amen? Hallelujah. Are you blessed? Amen. You have the authority and the power, the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead is living and alive in each one of you. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Um, do you guys want to see Chelsea? Do you have time for Chelsea's uh, um, uh, on the back? Uh, uh, well, hang on. Maybe I can. Yes, absolutely.